Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I have actually had a bad week this week, though. I haven't done that much work, like proper work. Like I've been doing bits and pieces here and there, but not like big focused work. It was just a little bit of a odd week for me. But other than that, I would say pretty good. Okay. Okay. How about you? Uh, Yeah, it's been kind of an interesting week for me. I've been doing a few different things. Actually, we didn't talk about this before, but at my uh, full-time job, we have theme weeks. So it's kind of like a free week where you can sort of work on side projects and stuff like that. But one of the themes this time around was personal tooling. So I've been taking that to focus on relearning uh, Emacs. I don't know if you've ever used Emacs before. Have you done that? I have not. Oh, man. It <laughs> Wait, is, it are you getting is, distracted on tools? It is a giant can of worms, but it's been really cool. I'll, I'll have to find it. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes. I've been watching this video series that's all about like building like your Emacs config from scratch. So I've used it before. I'm not going in totally blind. Like okay. years, like, I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago, I started using SpaceMax, which is sort of like, it's like a configuration that's pre-built that's like sort of community supported and it's really cool i like really loved using it okay but the problem when i was using space max is every once in a while i would hit some issue and i just couldn't solve it i would like ask at a few coworkers that used emacs and i'd ask them and they wouldn't know because they didn't know like the space max config and mm. there's just everything sort of built on top of each other so it can be hard to like figure out bugs and stuff like that why did you switch to this or why are you uh, so there's from, a, uh, so wait, you're straying from VS Code, right? Like you're, Yeah, this, so normally I use why? VS Code. Okay, yeah. Um, and VS Code is great. There are some things I don't love about VS Code. Like in particular, VS Code is, has a lot of things with like using your mouse, like having your mouse like hover over something to get like a little pop-up and stuff like that. And I, I never want to touch my mouse when I'm in my code editor. And in VS Code... You can add enough stuff, which I have, to where you can almost get by without having to use your mouse. But sometimes you still do. Sometimes something will happen and like, oh, I got to reach way over there to grab my mouse to click this thing or whatever. Um, (laughs) And so I just love the feeling of when I'm coding and just like living on the keyboard. And with with Emacs, you you totally live in the keyboard. Like the mouse, technically you can use it, but that is like, you know, not the way it's meant to be used. But why Emacs not? Like Vim. Well, there's this really cool thing. It used <laughs> no. to be so. So this is gonna be like a whole thing. Are we going there down used a to be this back? There used to be this big like back and forth. Like it was the Emacs people versus yeah. the Vim people, and okay, those were like okay. the two different camps. Yeah. Well, a while. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but when I used Space Max like five or six years ago, something had been added called Evil Mode, and Evil Mode adds Vim to Emacs. Right. So it's okay. kind of the best of both worlds. And like people have said before, like Emacs is this like amazing tool that's only lacking a good code editor, which is kind of like meant to be like a dig on Emacs. But like combining the two, it really works because it's almost like an entire operating system within Emacs. Like it can do so much powerful stuff. One of the go to like as I was setting it up again and I'm like adding pieces to it, there's this package called Magit or Magit, like everyone debates how to pronounce it, but it's like Mm kind of like magic, but with a T at the end for Git. And it's just like this really, really smart, clever, fun way to manage like your, your Git repository, like managing all of like your, you know, stashing and committing and all that. It just works so well. And like the second I added that, as I was kind of like pre-building my config, 
I added my Git and I opened it up to like commit some stuff. And I was like, oh, this, I missed this so much. This was the thing I loved yeah. the most back when I was using Space Max. So are you going down a rabbit hole now, like with all the config and then maybe like a week later you might come back to VS Code? <laughs> I <laughs> no, do this all I think, the time. I mean, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to have a split because right now one thing that's really nice in VS Code is like the copilot stuff. Mm. And I know there has been some, I haven't gotten to that point where I've added it yet, but I know people have set up so that copilot is supported in Emacs as well. Mm -hmm. The things that work well in Emacs, like VS Code to me, like doesn't even compare. Like the Vim mode in VS Code is so like error prone and kind of like amateur it is, compared. Uh, you got me onto that. Like, so, so I'm using VS Code, but you got me onto like, maybe you should check out some of the Vim like the Vim extension and, mm -hmm. and try and do more keyboard stuff. So then I went down even a rabbit just hole. Because like, even if you just like the basic navigation is yeah, so yeah, nice yeah. with Vim, just like basically being able to navigate quickly around your document. Yeah, yeah I, you, I do like it. Yeah. You started and then you went down and down. Yeah, so I, I, I started learning it and but then, I, then it made me super slow because obviously I was new at it and I couldn't remember and it wasn't muscle memory. It was like, what do I need to press to move this thing where I need it, move the cursor where I needed it to be. Right, right. And then I stopped and I'm like, I don't have time for this. And I went back to just the mouse. But then I can't remember, maybe we were having a conversation, something, somebody said something and I was like, okay, let me try again. And then I went back to, to try and understand like the fundamentals of like Vim as a language, not just hitting keys, but as a language, mm -hmm. what is it trying to do? You've kind of got sort of, I guess, nouns and verbs. Like I, I can't remember what people are calling it, but you've got sort of navigation stuff. Then you've got, I'm not expressing this very well, but like it's basically a language. And, and when I started thinking about it more as a language and not just trying to remember the keyboard shortcuts, then it became a, a bit more natural. And now I've got more muscle memory on stuff. Right. To your point earlier, like you were saying, I never, ever want to touch the mouse. So for me, having that really hard line of not touching the mouse actually worked against me. So now I'm like, if you want to touch the mouse, touch the mouse, you know? And, <laughs> and so now sometimes when I'm scrolling and if I'm scrolling like quite a bit, if I have a, a fairly large component, I'll just reach for the mouse because for some reason for me, it's easier to scroll. Like I can scroll really quick and then sometimes I scroll slow and I'm trying to find like one point in it. Whereas um, I think if I'm doing that on the keyboard, me personally, I kind of get a bit lost in the document. Like, where am I? Mm -hmm. So now I've said, I've, I've said to myself, like, just do whatever feels good. If you want to reach for it, the <laughs> mouse, just reach for it. So now I'm just doing that. And I feel, I feel like I've got a really good combination now of keyboard and mouse. And overall, which is my main goal, like overall, I'm still faster. Like it's right, still right. a net nice, positive nice. for me. So I'm like, well, it's still a win because I'm faster and it's also more fun. Let's face it. Like when I do it, <laughs> when I do when I hit some of those Vim shortcuts, it's kind of fun. Like I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. Just, you feel, it feels like super. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just got to that. Just changed that bit of text like super quick. It feels almost a bit like a game. Yeah. The overall goal for me, as long as I'm faster, then I'm good. I'm the same way. Like I, I think find what works for you. Like I, I love like. Like I said, I, I don't want to touch the mouse, mm -hmm. but if that works for you, like go for it. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's all about like your personal config and that, I mean, that's kind of the Emacs way because you can really configure anything and everything to be exactly how, how you, you want. want it to be. Oh, I love yeah. that stuff as well. I love customization. That's why, that's why I used to love Android. Mm. 
I, I every now and again I'm really tempted to go back to Android, but I I can't because I've got too many iMessage group chats <laughs> with family, and I'm too embedded now in in iOS. Even though I I think Android's kind of better, but um you could customize it, right? I used to do custom ROMs and like theming and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. and really like rip at the OS and. Yeah, I just haven't done that recently. Yeah, I think you you mentioned that last week, like your all the all the Android stuff. I have never. I I bought the very. I stood in line like you know like three in the morning or whatever it was to buy the very first iPhone, mm-hmm. and I've been iPhone ever since. Ever like, since, that's, yep. yeah. Never 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 done the Android thing. I love I love uh, yeah I love the iPhone, which is kind of funny because I am a control freak and I do like the super customization that I get here. Anyway, the, I did want to say like one of the things. Like the Vim mode issue that I often have in VS Code, so is the undo. So you'll be doing stuff, you'll make some changes, do some more changes, and then you start pressing undo. And something about the way that it emulates Vim in VS Code, mm-hmm. it like gets off somehow. And so it'll start undoing, and then it, it's like it missed a, a carriage return or something. And so suddenly the undo is like not actually giving me back the right code. It's like it got the command wrong somehow. And that happens to me like probably on a weekly basis. And then I have to just like try and like cancel the thing. And so that and that's just one of like several of the Vim issues that happen in VS Code. So that's partly what has pushed me back to trying out Emacs. So I don't think I've experienced that for undo, but I did experience this weird thing with I think it was Shift J did some weird carriage return thing or car- it. it I think sh- I, I could totally be getting this wrong, but I think it was Shift J where you're on a line and you press that and it actually will, like a like a reverse carriage return, it'd put that yeah. on the other line. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Am I, <laughs> and I was just, I mean, the computer is never wrong. I was pressing the wrong key. Like I was pressing the wrong um, shortcut, but then I remapped, I remapped it. So now Shift, Shift J for me actually scrolls down half a page. Oh, okay. It's really cool. So I go J for down, but then I go shift J and it goes half a page down. Oh, right, right. Which I think like mentally, I'm like, that makes sense <laughs> as a model. Like, so anyway, I've remapped some stuff and I'll look out for what you said with the undo, but I haven't, I don't, I don't think I've, I've experienced that. I think I just use like the undo way more than most people because I've, I feel like most people haven't experienced this either, mm. but then you, you'll find there's like issues there where it's like, oh, this has like. 200 comments and they just don't have an answer for how to fix this thing that happens sometimes. And it just happens for whatever reason, it happens to me all the time. And that's something that does not happen, period, if you're using like the evil mode version of Vim <laughs> in Emacs. And there's actually, so there's a, uh, we weren't even going to talk about this today, but now that we're talking <laughs> about it, I want to nerd out a little bit. So yeah. there's this really cool thing that I'm doing with it. So I'm following this video series. It's sort of like, building from scratch. If you just download Emacs and start it, you look at it, it is like the ugliest piece of software you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so like the first thing you have to do is add some, like you have this config file and you have to add a few things. It's like, get rid of this, get rid of this thing, change that. And then, and then you get to a point where you're like, okay, this is tolerable. I don't like, you know, hate myself when I, when I open this app every time. But it's there's this really cool thing. I think it's called a literate config. Okay. And the idea is you basically have like a giant, oh man, there's org mode too. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. But basically it's similar-ish to like a giant markdown file. So you have sort of like a readme that is your config. And within the readme, you'll say something 
Okay, so there, there's a package called Projectile, which is all about like project management. And so you'll have like in the readme, you'll have like this section that's called like project management. And maybe you'll put some text in there just as sort of like documenting to yourself, like this is, I'm using the projectile package to manage projects so that I can easily switch between my different Git repos and track files. And then I'll add in like a block of like the actual like Emacs Lisp config code. And then I can document that too and sort of say like, I'm using this because that makes autocomplete better in JavaScript files or whatever the thing is, you're sort of like documenting it. And then when you save it, there's like, it's set up so that it'll auto go through that whole file and every snippet of code, it'll take that and it'll move it over to your raw config file. So your raw, when you load up Emacs, it loads that raw config file. And so it's really cool because now I can just like have all this documentation of all the stuff I've done. So it's not just this giant config file where it's like hard to even read. Mm -hmm. I have this really easy to browse like readme file that's filled with my literal uh, configuration. Uh, it's super cool. It is like one of the nerdiest things ever, but it's been really fun. I can see it in your, uh, really it in your eyes. Like you, you got like this glint, like you, you kind of, you are totally nerding out on this. It, do, it oh, does remind yeah. me, it really reminds me a lot of, um, of Android early days because mm. the operating system on its own was, you know, that it had a lot of shortfalls at the beginning and people were just downloading different packages and custom ROMs to fix certain things and then customize. So it was, it was fixing, improving and customizing to how you want it to look and stuff. Nowadays, I guess both Android and iOS are, are pretty good. Like you can probably get a similar experience out of both. Like they're both really good now. Except you have that that green uh, chat box in the, the messages. The, you don't uh, <laughs> the green text bubbles. Yeah, the text bubbles. You know, it should really move to um, RCS messaging, rich communication service. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really the standard that... All the carriers and Android are on, like, are supporting this, but Apple won't move to it because I, I totally get it because iMessage yeah, is a Because they have, they have a, a competitive advantage. Yeah, of, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, okay, cool. So you've been nerding out this week and customizing <laughs> stuff. Oh, and yeah, and one one more thing just <laughs> on that. The yeah. So I was talking with my buddy if I was going to do this or not. Because I was sort of like, I was interested in it because I've been wanting to kind of try out Emacs again. Because the only reason I really stopped with Space Max was that I would run into an issue and then I was just like stuck and I couldn't do anything. For, it would be like days of trying to fix something and I just didn't know how to do it. But as uh, my friend reminded me when I was talking to him, he's like, well, ChatGPT is brilliant with Emacs. And so oh, those okay. issues that you used to have, you could just feed your config file to chat GPT and it would help you figure out where the issue is. And that was just like a light of like, of course, of course, chat GPT comes to the rescue. So that was sort of like that last little push that gave me the confidence of like, oh yeah, like I can do this. And if I'm running into those little issues like I did before, I don't have to just like hope that there's like a random, you know, stack overflow message that happens to address and happens to fit with my config. Like I'll be able to feed chat GPT. So it knows all of the different packages that I have set up and it'll help me solve any of those issues if I run into them. Mm. And, and I've done that a little bit along the way, like when, cause the video series I'm going through is a couple years old. And so there's a couple things that aren't exactly right. And anytime that happens, I just like feed it to chat GPT and it's like, Oh, well, and you know, in 2022, this version came out and that changed this. So actually you don't need that package or whatever you don't need, or the configuration is a little bit different. And so that's just like, 
confirmed that like, oh, this is good. I'm, I, I'm in, baby. I'm in. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, uh, what I like about what you, you've been talking about is you've kind of gone back to something old, right? Which is sort of renewed again because of chat GBT or like a newer, a newer yeah. technology has reinvigorated your passion for something older because now it makes something older more usable. Yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of blowing my mind a bit because I've been thinking about this recently as well, like about older technology or, and for me, older design. I think I've messaged you this week um, about this, but I've been thinking about older design like UI and UX because maybe we didn't have the tools back then to make the UI look better, but the UX is still pretty good. Like, mm. And you, you mentioned something as you were talking about Emacs, you're like, this the feeling – you got super excited about something. You had like a magic moment, right? Like when you, what was it you said? You were like, I just, you had this, that feeling of like, oh, this is so good. I remember how good this yeah, was. Yeah, with, specifically with the, with the Maget package. That's right. That, yeah, and yeah. I was like managing, I was like, oh, that's right. This is so easy. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Into, oh, and it felt, yeah, it's, yeah, I've it, been it's thinking, well named because it feels magic. To magic, yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about that because a few weeks ago, I posted something on Twitter about uh, Winamp. And Winamp seems to have this this sort of magic around it. It's got it had a huge fan base back in the day, and people loved to customize it as well. Like you could do all the mm-hmm. skins. And when I posted that, it was like a really old shot. And I was talking about you know there's something really cool about this this user interface and just the experience you you got when you used Winamp. And all these people piled on in the comments. Like there was this massive nostalgia about oh I really used to love that. And so I've just been thinking, okay, well, can I take something that's older? I'm starting to look at more like examples of older interfaces and then make it new again with what I'm doing with Llama Life. And so I've been looking at ICQ as well and, you know, those kind of chat things during, you know, back in the day. And maybe I'm showing my age (laughs) with that. But like, yeah, we used to be on ICQ and it was, it didn't look great, but it was really fun. And the sounds, the sound effects on ICQ were really good as well. Yeah, I feel like design is in a really interesting place right now, like particularly like with mobile design. Mm. So like when the iPhone first came out, it was all, uh, what are they, skeuomorphic? So, or skeuomorphic, how do you say that? Where it's all like digital versions of how, of real. So it was like 3D and there was like textures like in the illustration, like within the apps, there would be like, I don't know, like a blackboard texture or like a felt texture. And like that was part of the interface. And I do think that design aesthetic got kind of old quickly, but then they moved to like the, they did that big shift. I think it was like I was five or six or maybe seven, something like that. And they switched to like flat design and then everything's moved there, which was cool. Like I, I, I like parts of flat, but now it it kind of feels like everything is that way. Like, Every website is like almost any sort of personality is just sort of like stripped out of it. And it's just like, it's all either like white or black with like very minimal like design elements to it. Mm. And it feels like there's probably a shift coming and maybe kind of like what you're talking about, like maybe it's a move back to things like like Winamp or like some of the older design elements or, you know, some sort of new evolution to it. And I don't know what that looks like, but it does feel like flat design is kind of running its course. Yeah, I guess in an effort to make things more efficient and also work with a very small screen, like with a a mobile phone, Mm -hmm. 
I feel like some of the creative aspects of design have been taken out. Like everybody's trying to mimic certain behavior patterns because we're all trying to deal with a phone and people are thinking, well, you know, we don't want our customers to relearn a new behavior pattern. So we're just going to do it the same as everybody else. And I feel like the creativity is stripped out. And to your point about the flat design, I used to love flat design when it came out because I thought it looked super clean, but then Mm. everybody's doing it. And I actually put a 3D button back in Llama Life this week. Nice. (laughs) I was playing with another app. They had a 3D button and I kept wanting to press it. (laughs) You know, sometimes you press a button, but then you don't release it. You press the button, you move your, your finger and then you release it. So it doesn't do the action but you can see that the button got depressed and then then it just pops back up, but the action doesn't fire. I kept wanting to press this button. So (laughs) I was like, you know what? I feel like this is is dopamine for me. And this is kind of how I make decisions sometimes with Llama Life. We try and make them data-driven decisions, but sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I just like that. It's giving me dopamine, so I'm going to put this 3D button in the app because I like it. (laughs) And so I've got a 3D button now. We're using it for the upgrade flow. So we've Mm -hmm. got a free plan and a paid plan. Well, that's smart. So you've you've hooked up the dopamine button to the upgrade. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I figure like, yeah, it seems like a good place to put it. You know, they don't have to upgrade. It'll just take them to a pricing page. But, you know, at least click it and see what it's about. Like see what the (laughs) the extra benefits you get from upgrading. And I'm going to put a cool sound effect on it as well. Nice, nice. Make it fun. I want everything to be super fun. And yeah, I think that's what's being stripped out when everyone is doing the same design. And on top of that, there are design files nowadays. People sell templates, so it's quicker and you're using the same design patterns. But everything starts to look the same and everything starts to feel kind of boring. Like I can look at an app and I can go, I know that you used a template. And... I'm not holding it against you because maybe you had other objectives like speed maybe was a priority for you and that's fu- that's okay. But I still look at it and I go, I know that you used the template. And that feels boring to me. Yeah, it feels like when Bootstrap was really big and every website that used Bootstrap, you just loaded up and you knew immediately like, oh, that's a Bootstrap button. It just sort of like degrades your interest in the website. You're like, oh, like... It's not fun to to realize that they're it's using the same template that every other website mm. is using. Yeah, yeah. And so versus the opposite, like finding delight in des- in design when you're on an app and it does something unique or interesting or surprising, like that's what's yep. fun. Yep, exactly. Um, what else have <laughs> we been doing this week? Oh, Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Twitter. Twitter. We, so we've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, so I cleaned up my Twitter quite a bit this week. The For You tab we've talked about before and For You has become this massive mess of, I don't know, I guess the alg- what, what the algorithm wants you to see, not what you might necessarily want to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like yesterday I went in and I muted a bunch of stuff in For You. My feed is so much better, but um, I think it really got me because the content that I was seeing in For You, I knew it was bad. It was sort of TikTok type content. Right, yeah. And every time I saw it, I was like, I, sh- I should really mute this. But I kind of liked it at the same time. But I had a revelation last night because um, I saw one of my friends post it. And he was basically saying that there's nothing wrong with this sort of content, but I don't want to see it on Twitter. Like if I want that content, I'll go see it on TikTok. Like I'll go there to see it. I don't want it just served to me because you want me to see it. And so now – 
you know, for me, I've really narrowed down Twitter again. I'm like, I just want to see, you know, my friends building cool stuff. And that is all I want to see on Twitter. And everything else that is kind of these funny videos, which there's nothing wrong with them. And I like watching them sometimes, but I don't want to see it on Twitter. I'll go somewhere else to see that. And so after I had that revelation, I'm like, okay, cool. It's completely in my control. Just go in and mute everything. So now I'm smashing that mute button all the time <laughs> and it seems better. Nice. What about you? You're kind of, you're off. Yeah, you're kind of I kind of, <laughs> I've kind of fallen off of uh, Twitter. I'm using, I'm using Blue Sky a lot. I mean, I'm not even using, I'm not using anything the way I used to use Twitter. Like mm. I, I am enjoying Blue Sky a lot, but it's still, it's, you know, it's much smaller group. I kind of check in with Twitter every once in a while and it just feels like, I don't know, I get stuck on the, the for you page and what I find is I'll like open Twitter and then like some time will pass. I won't realize what I'm looking at. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Oh, because some high engagement tweet grabbed my interest and it worked. It did its thing and mm -hmm. got me engaged. And now I'm mad about something online, which I had no, I'd like, I don't even follow the person, all of that sort of stuff. I find that that happens a lot, which is kind of frustrating, which is why I stay away from Twitter a lot. Like, I think I showed you a screenshot, like Twitter, it's fallen off of my, like for probably, I don't know, most of the time that the features existed on the iPhone that tracks how much time you're watching, mm -hmm. you know, using different apps. It's probably been in the top five, if not like the top two most of the time, but now it's fallen out completely and it's not even there because I'm just not using it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing you're describing, I, I kind of went through a similar thing. This is way before Elon stuff. It was like two years ago where I went through and I was kind of having the whole like doom scrolling thing on Twitter where I would open Twitter and it was just like depressing stuff or politics and things like that. And so I went at, at that time, I went on like this massive unfollow campaign where I unfollowed like, I don't know, I think I was following like 3000 people and then I unfollowed like almost half of them. And then that changed the game for me because the people that I was still following were kind of like you're saying, like, the people who specifically the content that I want to see, not just the kind of content that is going to grab my attention for whatever reason, but it's mm -hmm. like, no, 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 I want to see this person post stuff about that project they're working on. And I want to hear about that. Or like this person posts about this other topic I'm interested in. And that's what I want to see on Twitter. Yeah. For me, I feel like something drastic will have to change. And you know, Twitter, they've just, you know, Elon announced, I don't remember her name, but somebody that's going to be coming in and be the CEO. I believe she's coming from like NBC. Has he actually said her name? I, I, last time yeah, I looked, it's, uh, was it's just... been It's been officially announced. Now. Oh, wow. He, okay. Yeah, it, yeah. it got, I, I think it got leaked. And then pretty quickly after that, he tweeted out her actual name. Linda Yaccarino, uh, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name, but maybe that will cause something to change. I kind of have doubts. It feels like he's just sort of putting her there and then he's going to continue to do his own thing because he said that he'll still be CTO, he'll still be in charge of product. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. so you're still going to be doing all the same stuff you've been doing, but maybe blaming stuff on your new CEO. I don't see how she can be empowered because, yeah, to your point, he's still CTO, still, head, still overseeing product, and he's mm -hmm. executive chair. Yeah, I don't understand how she can actually lead it. Yeah, it just feels like she's set up to fail. I, I don't know. But may, maybe somehow, maybe she gets in there and is able to make some change happen. 
that would be amazing. Anybody, please somehow fix Twitter and make it back what it was. But short of any of that happening, I kind of don't see myself coming back to the, at least the way I used to use Twitter. It's just sort of slowly kind of hoping for something else to take off. And I'm hoping it's Blue Sky because I'm a big fan of that. But if you are staying on Twitter, I think that, like you suggested, that's a great way to go about it. Just start muting or blocking or unfollowing any of Well, I guess you have to mute or block because the for you will pull up anybody. Yep. So you can't just unfollow anymore. So yeah, just mute like crazy. I guess maybe someone should do a, a Chrome extension that just adds the mute button like right there. So you can just mm. like, just right away, just like mute, 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 mute. You know what? Because I, I want to... After you made your Chrome extension last week, I was like, oh, I really want to make a Chrome extension. That sounds like a good idea. Maybe not too hard thing to do. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I don't think that – it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult. Although, actually, I mean – Oh, the API? The API, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult as long as you have $48,000 a month or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, damn it. Actually, you might not be able – you might not need – you might be able to do the basic version – because I think that is for like pulling data and for muting, you might not need to do that. But that would be definitely something you'd have to figure out because I'm not yeah. sure how that works. No, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm going to stay on track. Yeah, maybe it exists. If it if it already exists, someone should uh, let us know. Reach out on Twitter and let us know about the muting plugin or extension that might already be out there. You know what this just reminded me of? And I don't think it requires the, an API, but it could be different for Twitter. But remember when YouTube removed the dislike button? Mm-hmm. So I really like the dislike button on YouTube. or the, the not, not the button itself, but I like seeing the count because mm-hmm. I would look at a video because I use Cause YouTube. You're, for, it's because you're such a hater, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love YouTube, right? And I, mm-hmm. I look up a lot of stuff on YouTube and in my process of like searching and figuring out which video do I want to watch to learn about this thing, I'll look at the the ratio between the likes and the dislikes. Because then you can find out like, oh, this isn't going to give me what I want. Yeah, because if something's got a thousand likes, that means nothing. Like what if it also has a thousand dislikes and I can't see it? But if it's, you know, a thousand likes and like five dislikes, I know that's good. And even if it doesn't have a wide reach or distribution, I know the ratio is good and I and I might watch that video. So somebody created a Chrome extension that puts the dislike count back on YouTube videos. Mm. So I have that enabled so I can still see my, dis, you know, the dislike count. And I suppose it might be different because it's not actioning something. It's just showing a count. Right. So maybe it's still there, right? And YouTube just hit it from the, the, um, from the DOM, like from the interface. But yeah, it's still there what, somewhere. You'd have to assume is that it was. Yeah, still it's probably still there. Mm, whereas Twitter, we're actually we, we want to perform an action, which is mute. So it would probably need to call that the API. Ah, oh, stuff it. Yeah, I don't want to. I've got to stay on track. <laughs> don't get distracted. I've got to stay, stay on focused, track. Stay focused. <laughs> okay. On that awesome. note. Awesome. Well, we're we're running yeah. long, so we should we should wrap it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Is there any last thing you wanted to anything you're going to be working on this next week? So we haven't released that feature that I've been talking about for the last three weeks or maybe four weeks. The feature is ready. So so I was just mentioning this to you before we got on, but I kind of made a little uh, boo-boo where I, <laughs> I I didn't create a new branch on my, um, my repo. Like I was basically working on something, the feature, and then I didn't create a new branch and I started working on something else. So now I can't actually push my changes live 
until I finish something else because it's all tangled up. It is going to be a super PR. It's going to be one of the biggest PRs Mm. to date because I've just kept adding stuff. So it's coming, I guess. The feature's coming, but there's other stuff that's all tangled up in there, which I'm going to try and finish. Actually, I'm going to try and finish it this weekend. So hopefully, okay, public accountability. (laughs) By the next podcast, I will have finished this. I can't wait to hear how that feature launch went. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Thanks for the awesome. accountability. And I, okay. we, t- we were maybe going to talk about it today. I've been working on another app with a buddy of mine, and I'm not going to talk about it now, but maybe next week we can mm-hmm. go into it a little bit more. But it's been fun kind of uh, starting something fresh there, in addition to my new shiny Emacs uh, config. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So on that note, uh, I'll see you next week. Okay, see you then.